Weingarten for Encounter Books, and today I'm joined by Joy Pullman, author of the new book, The Education Invasion, How Common Core Fights Parents for Control of American Kids. Joy is managing editor of The Federalist and an education research fellow at the Heartland Institute. She received a Robert Novak Journalism Fellowship to fund research and reporting on Common Core. Joy also has substantial experience in education, having taught at grade levels from preschool to high school, tutored college students, and written a public speaking curriculum. Joy, thanks so much for joining us today. Mm, Thanks for having me. So Joy, in contrast to a classical liberal arts core education, you write that Common Core, and I quote here, falls short in building a solid foundation of cultural knowledge and in teaching practical skills. How did we transition from a proven system that creates citizens who are knowledgeable, critical thinkers, and steeped in core civic principles with this education system that we see today? Well, that that's a really big question, um, and it took <laughs> 250 years. Um, and of course, there are going to be a lot of factors that go into that. So for example... I'm just going to state this and then sideline it, but I do actually think that one of the big contributors um, to the the growing uh, ruination of American education that nobody wants to talk about is the erosion of the family. And uh, so I always get annoyed about the fact that, that, you know, we talk about all of these inputs, we talk about, you know, all of these programs, but nobody talks about the, the unraveling of the American family, and that's obviously has a very serious effect on kids' ability to learn. But I have to put that aside because, of course, we're talking today uh, about Common Core. And so in in that vein, I think another major contributor um, to the erosion of the quality of American education, and this has been really well documented, is um, the centralization of power away from parents, essentially. Parents and and very small communities, school-level communities. Nowadays, uh, it's not just uh, local school districts used to be really neighborhood-sized and nowadays, you know, you have sometimes tens of thousands of children inside what is called a district, and that's really not <laughs> local control, in my opinion. And you, early on in your book, describe Common Core uh, and one of your, the, uh, a bone that you have to pick with Common Core about the fact, uh, about consent of governed issues. And, and you write, and I quote, that Common Core is as big a change in education as Obamacare is in healthcare. But unlike Obamacare, it needed no votes in Congress to become national policy. It garnered practically no notice from the media before the Obama administration in concert with largely unelected bureaucrats and a shadow bureaucracy of private organizations locked it in nationwide. That meant no public debate before the scheme was imposed upon a country supposedly run with the consent of the governed, unquote. And in reading that, is it fair to think of Common Core as, in essence, an extension of the administrative state? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so there, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, you hit on one of my favorite topics. Oh, I, I should say least uh, my, my most hated topics, therefore about which I like to rant the most, <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely. Um, common core I think is, is basically an expression of the administrative state and what the administrative state is, is a vast unaccountable unelected bureaucracy that because it isn't accountable, you know, Americans who pay the salaries of all these people cannot fire them, cannot tell them what to do, so on and so forth. And they, and they unite, you know, all of the, the faculties of the three branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial very often. Um, so it's a very un-American system of government that has grown up in this country and that we are now governed by, and Common Core is a representation of that. How did a curriculum that was 
euphemistically described as state-led, actually become advanced through a combination of big business and big government to essentially nationalize education in America? Basically, you know, so basically through the administrative state. And if, if you want to, I'm trying to think, let me just hit a, a couple of the major milestones. So in my book, I go through kind of a history of what is called the, the standards movement in education, um, because American education has actually been no, notably declining since the 1950s. And there have been lots of different measures that people have objectively um, shown that to be the case. Um, and so ever since then, you know, um, Americans have been uh, politicians, interest groups and, and the like have been proposing ways to remedy this problem. And basically what we keep doing is, uh, you know, the title of another book by uh, American Enterprise Institute scholar Rick Hess, the same thing over and over again. So we keep basically enacting the same principles since the 1950s and expecting a different result. And then we suddenly, you know, we're shocked when shocked and shocked when um, the result of increased centralization is worse inefficiency, higher costs and stupider children. <laughs> um, anyway, so if, if we're going to talk about how, you know, how did all of this happen? Well, it actually so I talk in my book there. There's documentation to show that enacting Common Core was deliberately facilitated um, through non-elected uh, private special interest groups in order to give it the appearance of state-led because previous attempts at nationalizing American education directly through Congress, the American people rejected it soundly. They just failed. And so the people who, for whom that is a policy priority said, um, and you know, and I quote, and I cite these folks in my book, they said, well, you know, that's uh, Americans, they're too, basically they're too dumb to know what's good for them. They don't like the idea of Washington running uh, their local schools. And in fact, Americans still don't like the idea of Washington running their local schools. You know, national polls continue to show that. So since Americans are so parochial and, and not really informed of their best interests to have, you know, an education czar running their local schools from Washington, we're going to do it on their behalf and in their name through a coalition of uh, private interest groups. And that's exactly how Common Core went into place. So there's basically three organizations that create together came together to create Common Core, and they're creatures of the administrative state. So they are technically nonprofit organizations, but I show in the book I go through um, their tax returns. They receive a very large amount of uh, money from federal and state tax taxpayers through both dues and government contracts. So they're kind of, they're so they're um, quasi government. They're basically government sponges. <laughs> And so these organizations, which have no legal authority, you know, nobody elected them, no constitution, no law says that they are in charge of education policy anywhere. Nevertheless, they took it upon themselves to get together and create Common Core. Um, and they did this with funding from uh, the Gates Foundation, in which um, I've just been rerunning the numbers again, updating them since the book came out. And I think in the book we have a quarter of um, – quarter of a billion dollars that Gates spent on enacting and pushing Common Core, and that has increased to a third of a billion dollars, more than $300,000. Um, anyway, so with that money, um, these three organizations got together, again, a bunch of unelected people to basically write Common Core. They farmed out little pieces of it to committees, so they had, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, they had a kind of a, a long, complicated, drawn-out but process. But the important thing to me, like you mentioned earlier, is the consent part of it. Because this was done in private organizations instead of a state house, instead of Congress, the American uh, people have no right um, of transparency. Even though we paid for Common Core to be created, some, you know, in part, um, and even though we have to live under um, its regime in our public schools, we still don't know who paid for what. You know, how much, uh, who was 
um, who wrote what words of Common Core, what their credentials are, who vetted it. All of this is, op is opaque. You know, it's not subject to freedom of information, sunshine law um, sorts of requirements. Anyway, and so, but I don't think <laughs> it's this, I th this is actually really common in public policy nowadays, as you mentioned, because government has gotten so big that it's completely, um, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible for anyone to, to watchdog it. You know, you ha would have to have um, investigative reporters who cared, uh, you know, more <laughs> about, um, uh, you know, about uncovering what government is doing in the name and with the money of the people than they do about running, you know, flippy stories about the Kardashian family or whatever. Okay. Um, anyway, so they created it. And then what they had to do is uh, they actually went directly to the Obama administration, which Congress had, in all its wisdom, given basically a strings-free pot of money for the education department. And Gates Foundation officials had phone calls, regular you know, checkup phone calls with um, Obama administration officials, and they basically put into place this scheme by which they would bribe all the states into it. It was called Race to the Top. Um, so the Obama administration, during um, the, the panic years of 2008 and 2009, we were having an economic crisis, went to the states and said, hey, you might be able to win a couple of hundred thousand, maybe a million dollars an order, you know, from the federal government for education projects, as long as um, you, you know, you do all these things to make us happy uh, for a shot at it. And mind you, a couple hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars sounds like a lot to you and me. <laughs> we could be set for life if we had that money. But in terms of uh, education funny, funding, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. Um, so states were coming to the federal government hat in hand to get, you know, less than 1% of their annual uh, education funding, you know, for a one-time only program that committed them to much more spending, you know, than they got out of it. And, and only a handful of states were ended up being winners anyway. Anyway, one of the criteria for just applying um, for, for this program uh, included adopting standards that are common to a majority of states, standards being mandates for what tests and curriculum have to contain. And of course, the only um, thing that fit that definition was Common Core. And in fact, uh, Common Core itself was, was in the original draft regulations that the Obama administration wanted to put out. But the last minute, they changed it to a definition that only fit Common Core without mentioning it because they were afraid of the political backlash. So I, I, anyway, so obviously it's, it's kind of long and complicated and there's lots of other things, but those are basically the milestones. The, you know, the milestones are created under the auspices of private organizations that nobody can see what they're doing, even though taxpayers pay for their activities. And then second, the Obama administration comes to states, you know, holds a carrot in front of their little noses and says, you know, come get it, little donkeys. And they all came running. <laughs> the kicker to me is that the state signed contracts with the federal government promising that they would do a complete overhaul of all their curriculum and testing. And this was all before even a draft of Common Core was available. They had no idea what they were going to have kids, you know, learning in schools. They had no idea what the tests were look, would look like. And they still said, you know, sure, sounds good to me. We believe that whatever you promise is going to come through. To me, that, that's unconscionable. It's completely an abdication of, you know, the responsibility of public officials. Before we delve into the practical consequences of the foisting on the American people of Common Core in terms of the degradation of methods of teaching, the content of the curriculum, and the standards to which students are held, one fundamental basic question that one has to ask is the Gates Foundation, for example, 
poured hundreds of millions of dollars into this project. Mm -hmm. What did they get for it? What was the benefit for them? That's an interesting question. And, you know, I, you know, in the course of, of reporting on this and, and writing the book, I called up the Gates Foundation repeatedly and they refused comment, you know, constantly. So I could not get the side of the story from them. But so what I did in my book was, I mean, and, and for researching the book was try to find everything the foundation officials, in, including Bill and Melinda Gates themselves, had ever said about Common Core. Um, and I honestly do think that they mean well. Um, you know, this is the, uh, you know, multi-billionaire, um, the, the Gates Foundation is, as I note in the book, it is the world's largest foundation. It has, you know, as much money to spend as do some, you know, entire countries. <laughs> um, so when, when Gates comes in and starts throwing money around, basically their money supply is limitless. And so, uh, that attracts a lot of attention. You know, it gets politicians, it gets bureaucrats, it gets, foundations very exciting, you know, because if they just do what Gates wants, they're, you know, going to be cashing in. And that is no joke. So I, I do think Bill Gates looked at the problems in American education. And I do agree with him that there are problems. There are some critics of, of him and of Common Core who think that, you know, um, basically all that, you know, American education needs is some more money and some more teacher's aides, you know, and everything will be fine. That's not me. <laughs> um, I don't think the problem is lack of money. I also, however, I, I do agree, actually, even that, that American curriculum is is overall a heap of junk, and so is our testing systems. You know, um, I, and I'm also a testing supporter. You know, I, I believe in a strong, regular, rigorous core curriculum. So there's a lot of points of disagreement that I have with uh, Bill Gates, but where I think that he and his wife fundamentally went wrong was arrogance, um, because you know, it is very easy for someone with a trillion dollars. Um, to think he can just walk into a school and, and throw his money all over the place, and that's going to magically fix the problems. That's just not the way things are. Human beings are not rational economic actors. You know, education systems involve people, and so do political systems. You know, you can't just run roughshod over them or just come in and give them a, a script to read and assume that, okay, if we just get the script, it's not like a computer program, you know, in a computer program, and I've done a very small amount of coding. You know, if, if you just get the coding right, the program will run. People are not machines. You don't, can't feed them the common core code coding and spit out a productive human being. That's not how it works. So I think that's the fundamental flaw is, is treating human beings like machines and really the arrogance to think that simply because he has money and obviously a lot of intelligence, therefore everyone in America should follow his political plan for education. I think what you just described is an inherent weakness, maybe the inherent weakness in progressive ideology altogether. So thank you for, for summarizing Absolutely. that. Uh, now, jumping to what the substance of the Common Core curriculum actually is, when I was in elementary school only a couple of decades ago, I recall getting a piece of paper with 100 arithmetic problems and being timed to solve those problems as fast as I could. Mm -hmm. You describe, I did the same. You describe a scenario where it takes eight minutes to do a simple addition problem. How did that happen? What and happened the to Matt? Gets the answer wrong. Yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> well, and, and and there's there's a lot of things within Common Core that you know lead to that that scenario. And and you know you and I have been talking a lot about you know kind of abstract things like public policy and big ideas and um, you know the interaction between philanthropy and government. 
but in my book, I, I, I do try to show some respect for the fact that people want to see how this looks in real life. And so I, I you know, went to a number of, of schools um, where Common Core was in action. And in one instance, I went to one that was has been held up by as an exemplar of putting Common Core in place. And they did. They had very clearly well-organized teachers and administrators. You know, um, their, their Common Core plan was very good. They had, in fact, received a federal grant to get it in gear earlier than a lot of other school districts. So they were really on top of this Common Core thing. So I walk into a first grade classroom and I just observe the teacher teaching what is now become kind of infamous on social media, a Common Core math problem. And I also have to say, so here's one of those instances where it's really awkward to criticize something because I I, I see that there are some merits to this approach. I, I do, there's, you know, there's research and there's experience shown, you know, the showing that when done well, um, doing abstract math, you know, with um, co- concrete objects, you know, such as um, basic what look like Tetris cubes, you know, foam blocks, plastic blocks, that can be very helpful, especially for young elementary children and helping them understand that numbers can go with objects, you know, and helping them work through the basic ideas of mathematics. And so if you do that at the young age and kind of blend that into your mathematics instruction, it can help kids, you know, jet ahead to that advanced math and prepare them for a really high powered, you know, capacity to do that in in their college years and then their professional life. So all of so so all of that to say, I am not actually even one of the people who insists that, um, you know, school has to be all worksheets and all math drill, although I also support lots of math factorials. But the point being that Common Core inflicts upon, now, how do you say this? A lot of the things that parents are complaining about with the complexity of Common Core math is what they call, you know, problems with implementation. So basically, you know, most teachers are not very well versed in math. They have very low math test scores. And of course, obviously this isn't every single one, but on average, your average elementary teacher is not only bad at math herself, she hasn't been taught well how to teach basic math. So she is not well prepared to do, you know, to help children. That's not fair to the teachers and or the kids. So then when you hand teachers a complex conceptual math curriculum and and when when Common Core tells teachers that they have to have kids counting dots, drawing boxes around things, you know, drawing hash marks, um, using lots and lots of little tiny buttons and things. And then they convey that to their children. You know, so what basically happens is that Common Core treated teaching like it would be if you had a math, you know, a a dual math and elementary education PhD, when that's just not the sort of teachers they're working with. Um, And, you know, the average elementary school teacher needs to be, you know, basically given a curriculum that's plug and play. And a lot of that involves, and especially children need that too. They need a lot of specific focus on, you know, doing basic math function over and over again, because if they do not get addition, multiplication, uh, subtraction, and division down solid by middle school, they will never be able to go on to higher math, no matter how many times they played with foam blocks. Anyway, it, so what Common Core basically does is tries to jet children ahead to that advanced math, um, and, and it doesn't help teachers along the way. It has very obscure language, and it kind of reverses the order in which you ought to do this good math instruction. So basically, in, instead of helping teachers to give kids the advanced thing, it tries to do that and utterly fails and therefore leaves schools in a worse state than they were before Common Core arrived. What has become of the social sciences under Common Core? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question um, because the, the, the Common Core tries to have a lot of things both ways in many, many respects. And so, for example, one of those 
and I'll get to your social sciences question in just a second, but and, and one of those is um, by saying, well, we are not telling teachers what to teach, okay, but at the same time, we're going to dramatically change and improve American instruction. Well, either you, you know, either you are going to tell teachers what to teach and therefore that's going to improve instruction because that implies what they're doing now is not working and it needs to change, you know, or you're not telling teachers what to teach and nothing changes, you know, so you can't have those both ways. So another way in which Common Core does exactly that is in the social scientists. So technically, or in, in popular parlance, Common Core is supposed to apply only to math and in English literature, reading. Um, but actually, the, the English portion of Common Core includes in its title and the rest of its documents a sprinkling of things that are kind of that are outside the realm of English literature. So the title of it includes, you know, it's, it's um, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, you know, the Common Core English Language Art Standards and for, you know, the social sciences um, and, you know, and, and technical subjects. Um, so Common Core is English assumes to expand and cover the rest of the curriculum as well. So the, the things that Common Core, the ways that Common Core says to treat, you know, they call it texts, anything that you can read. Um, so that would be maybe your science textbook. It would be maybe your history anthology. So it wants you Common Coring those subjects as well in Common Core kind of extends its domain over those subjects. And so it does that. And I talk about this in the book, but really the, the this is, you know, I, I, my book focused on not the, the content of Common Core as much as it does basically trying to get a broad overview that's accessible to a lay audience of it. So the best one for this is called The Story Killers by Terrence Moore, a principal of a, a public a public school that uses the classical method in, down in Atlanta, Georgia. And so he talks in his book about how Common Core in, in English literature, so it both says, you know, that you're supposed to be using Common Core English techniques in your science and history, you know, social science classes. And it also says in English classes, you should be pulling in historical, social science, science and technical subject materials to study in English class. And not only does this um, really do a bad job of um, giving to children what they need in an English class in order to be prepared to be an American citizen, a productive American citizen, which would be, you know, core literary um, exposure to the core literary canon that is part of Western civilization. Um, it, it also, you know, used basically crummy, <laughs> crummy college literature analysis techniques and throws them, you know, at middle schoolers and at high schoolers. So basically, this is another instance of like in the math, you know, Common Core gives to, to children something that they're not very, and teachers, something that they're not very well equipped to do. And it spreads them really thin and just doesn't really support their, their ability to do something that sounds really falutin and, you know, high minded. But again, you know, it falls apart when you try. So, for example, on Common Core's reading list, which has been roundly mocked, it includes it includes regulations from the Environmental Protection Agency. It includes um, and I had I talked with a, an awarded, you know, many years long English teacher, stellar, you know, very good reviews. Her kids were just acing, you know, the the, the tests that they were taking. Beautiful, beautiful works of literature that she's exposing to the kids in her classroom. She was forced to chuck, you know, units on King Arthur in order to give the kids crappy modern social science from, you know, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, which has been, you know, debunked by lots of actual scientists. He's just, you know, a popular journalist and, and his, his work is not even, it's not even good social science. And she was forced to get rid of King Arthur legends in order to teach your kids like that. So that's basically, again, that's what, that's what happens when you have people who have never set foot in the classroom telling every single classroom in the nation what ought to happen inside.
you referenced the idea of essentially educating citizens in the classical sense of the word and the importance of the Western canon and the great, great works of literature and fundamental subject matter knowledge that one must gain to function and, and think critically in society. And you also talk at the end of your book about John Dewey and the progressive education mm-hmm. system and how that has permeated our education system over the last century. Could it be that those who support Common Core know that it's defective in terms of what is actually imparted to children, but feel that they are creating the perfect population of people to fit the ideal progressive man? Oh, what an interesting question. I think largely no, but maybe a little bit of yes. And so here's, you know, I'm, I believe in good faith argumentation. You know, I, I have clashed publicly with a lot of supporters of Common Core, and I do think um, that they do sincerely believe that what, you know, that supporting Common Core is going to help children. Same thing, you know, I've talked with a lot of teachers who are Common Core supporters. It's the same thing. I do not think, um, you know, that, that they have nefarious aims. I think that Common Core may align with a lot of their previous political ideologies or, their, or just their general philosophical, you know, view of the world, which, you know, nowadays tends to be culturally positioned left. But again, I, you know, I think they, they, they mean well. But the, the, the slight part uh, where I say maybe a little bit of yes in there is because I'm thinking of um, the testimony that a fellow who was one of the lead writers of Common Core gave to before the Massachusetts State Board of Education. Um, and basically in which he admitted that Common Core does not really prepare children for a good college. It prepares them because Common Core promises to people, you hear the branding and you hear college and career ready, every single child ready for college or career. And you think, wow, that is a great thing, you know, that every child will be going out of high school, you know, set up to succeed in life. That's really great branding. But basically, the, the fellow who helped write Common Core itself in his, you know, in his public testimony revealed that that branding is is deception. You know, it, you you tell parents in the public college, and then so what he says in his public testimony is, well, I know that it's not, you know, Common Core does not deliver the math necessary to get into a selective college, but it's good enough for a community college. And of course, I'm paraphrasing, you know, and I have the actual quotes in my book, but that's basically what he says. So he is displaying right there, basically, it's good enough for your kids, <laughs> which I think is fundamentally unfair. And I do, you know, I do think, you know, everyone is not, I do not think college is for everyone. You know, I don't think that every, and this, I, I apply this to my own children. If I have a son or daughter who grows up and says, I want to be, uh, an, you know, an auto repair mechanic, I want to be a garbage man, I will be, you know, that is great. Those are great jobs. That is a great way to serve your neighbors and contribute to your community. You know, I don't, I don't believe in that, you know, so this isn't something that I'm saying to other people that I don't apply to my own family. So, I, that is something I think ought to apply also to the create, you know, what he is realizing there is, is basically the truth of my claim that it is impossible to create a program of education that um, has everyone heading to college that, ha- you know, brings everyone up to the same level. This is a fact that American society has always recognized. So Common Core really is built on an impossible lie, you know, that all children are suited for the same, the same sorts of, you know, endeavors in life. 
everybody is not going to be happy reading books all day in college, which is what you should be doing if you go there, you know? I had students um, in, in middle and high school classes who are very smart and today are earning more money than I am, and even though they're younger than me and they don't have a college degree, you know, because, um, you know, because they chose professions that are in high demand. You know, they're, they're skilled laborers. And those kids, you know, when I was teaching them, we enjoyed classic literature together. And I did not, you know, say, you have, anyway, you know, anyway, um, I did not envision for them that college was the end all and be all for their life. You know, they are happy and productive people not having gone. So I think what there's the problem of folks creating Common Core is that they're trying to say that equality is sameness, you know, giving and, and, and so and, and the way that they carry that out in life, uh, you know, proves the falsehood of that. Um, they are saying that kids are only equal, you know, if we all stuff them in college, you know, staring at you know, staring at philosophy or staring at, you know, college level math. And it's not a denigration of their person to say that not all people are thrilled by that or not, you know, or they can contribute in many other ways. That's just a recognition of, you know, the real diversity in humanity. And it's not saying that they're lesser citizens. You know, they're, they're equally American citizens who just have different talents. Anyway, so I think in the name of, uh, this is one of those things where you say in the name of social justice, in the name of equality for all, we are increasing inequality. We are decreasing the cohesiveness of American culture because we're reducing the ability of kids to have exposure to that great literature that is a part of our heritage and that establishes our identity as Americans. Um, and, and it's just, it's a bad thing for society, no matter how well it's been intended. The silver lining to Common Core is that Americans have sought out alternative models of education. What did you find there in doing your research for this book? And that, yeah, and that is one of the things there, a large part of my book has a very sad and, and disillusioning message because it basically says Common Core, and especially in the era of Trump, I have come to see that Common Core taught me, you know, a lot about um, what was underneath what ultimately led to Donald Trump becoming president and the disillusionment, the lack of voice that Americans feel about the political process. That's all there. It was all there before anyone, you know, ever thought that Donald Trump might ever be president. Um, and... And so, yeah, so the, the, the book is, is also a personal journey in a journey, you know, with a lot of these other moms um, and, and these other moms and dads who are going, trying to get Common Core out of their kids' classroom and finding that their local schools that they trusted, their their local representatives that they trusted, their, their state houses are all corrupt. You know, it's impossible. It, we don't have, um, you know, we don't have represent, you know, we don't have um, representation in, in return for our taxation. Um, and that is, you know, Charles Murray, the eminent, this isn't just me, you know, saying cynical random stuff. You know, this, this is something Dr. Charles Murray talks about, you know, in his latest book, We the People, about how the administrative state has broken America. And so Common Core is a part of, of that discussion. So I, I, but I actually am not, I'm not, um, I, I believe in realism and looking at things accurately, but I do actually have optimism because even though it is a tragic thing that so many American children are getting less than they could have because of Common Core or their, their school systems, their teaching environments have been thrown into chaos because they, they've been forced to revamp everything that they do in order you know, to, to convert to a completely untried, unproven you know, amalgamation of ideas you know, by a bunch of crackpots who have never taught a child in their life. Um, so that is disheartening and it's wrong and it's unjust. 
But that's not the only part of the story. Um, when people feel pain, it gives them motivation to move. As anyone who's ever had maybe, you know, kind of a scary health diagnosis has, has you know, learned all of a sudden you start exercising and eating right, you know, when you should have been doing that all before. Um, it's the same thing with Common Core. We, you know, when, when parents found their kids coming home at night crying about their math homework, when they saw them coming home, you know, just with reading garbage in, the, in, in their textbooks, absolute garbage, when they could be reading classic fairy tales, they could be reading, you know, eyewitness accounts um, of, of um, people who were there with General George Washington and so on and so forth. There's so much better that schools could do for children that they're not, and they're wasting their times on trivialities. Um, when parents see that, you know, they, their love for their children motivates them to look for something better. And I have also met, um, if I'm disillusioned with the system, I have a lot of faith still in the American people. Um, because when I go around the country and I see moms and dads who, yeah, they, they've lost their faith in these institutions, um, you know, of America, they aren't going crazy. They aren't riding in the streets. You know, they're, they're, um, instead they're, they're doing the quiet work of getting an education for their kids. And that has trickle down effects that ultimately benefit their communities. So they're, you know, families are starting homeschool co-ops. They are putting their kids in good private schools. I talked to a number of families for whom Common Core motivated them to completely start brand new private schools. Um, so there is a lot of good happening out in quote unquote flyover country that we don't hear um, every day in, 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 you know, in the maelstrom of, of you know, all national 24 seven cable news, which just drives me it's starting, you know, the, even the older I get, the more and more it, it drives me crazy. But middle America has, you know, there, there's a lot of mess there, but there's also a lot of good. And I found that in researching this book. And if, it, it, if pain motivates people to get better, you know, well, that is a silver lining. On that uplifting note, the name of the book is The Education Invasion, How Common Core Fights Parents for Control of American Kids. And we've been speaking with its author, Joy Pullman. Joy, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Oh, thank you. For more from Encounter Books, visit us at EncounterBooks.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Intro and outro courtesy of Kurt Vile's Freeway.